fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. I'm Caitlin. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and talk about the Canadian government's secret plot to infect the world with coronavirus with my friend Caitlin. Oh, fuck's sakes. <laughs> How are you, Caitlin? <laughs> We actually, uh, we're not going to get into this in the segment, but we actually got the third confirmed case of coronavirus in Canada is right here in London. I know, it's a 20-year-old girl at Western. Yeah. I just knew that it must be the universe knew I was going to do this podcast today and was like, send the coronavirus to them. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways... You know what this podcast needs? $60 a month. <laughs> Cue Sarah McLaughlin music, you know? I will For just a dollar a month. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you can help a podcaster in need. You can donate on patreon.com slash imperial news. I will remember me. Don't make <laughs> I don't even know the words to that song. But anyways, yes, uh, please consider donating to the podcast. Yeah. It would be much appreciated. Donate. And with that, now the Imperial Roundup. <laughs> uh, you got it. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. We're going to start with January 22nd. And Ezra wants to talk about how Canada will be paying for Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's security. Holy shit. And I agree we shouldn't pay for it. Uh, no, I <laughs> In fact, I think they shouldn't exist at all. Abolish them. Yeah, there you go. Off with their heads. Well, maybe that's a bit extreme, but off with some of their heads. Off Prince with Andrew. Heads is extreme. Prince Andrew, definitely. And Prince Charles. Fuck that homeopathy shit. <laughs> Anyways, again, a lot of misogyny. It's the same. There's no point covering it. We did it in an episode a couple days ago, or a couple episodes ago. You can go back and listen to it. And I'm just going to move on. Oh, I'll, there is one thing. Ezra says that he's going to have Kian go harass them. So, I like mean, he didn't those... quite put it in those yeah, words. I was like, <laughs> in those exact words. But we know that's what's going to happen. Kian's going to show up somewhere and be like, Meghan Markle, why are you a gold digger? And then she's going to be like, who are you? Leave me alone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Fuck the royalty. I don't care. <laughs> Ezra then, uh, for the interview segment, has Joel Pollock on and, you know, Breitbart editor. And they're going to talk about impeachment, of course. Now, in this timeline, the impeachment trial basically just started. I think they've had one or two days into it. So a lot of things have happened since then when we're recording. They hit several things. Uh, They claim that the Mueller report found that there was no collusion And again, this is not true. What it said was that there's no evidence of a direct conspiracy, but that there was, in fact, collusion, which is not a legal term. Also, not having evidence of a conspiracy doesn't mean that there wasn't a conspiracy, which is why they wrote, well, why Mueller and his team wrote the second part, which is about obstruction of justice, right? So 
you know, you can't find out if there's something there if the person's destroying the evidence while you're trying to figure it out. It is hard to say conclusively what happened, uh, but, you know, a lot of stuff is coming out now with this Ukraine thing, and Trump's oh pretty corrupt, gosh, so. I know. <laughs> it's just, like, more stuff every day, like. Yeah. Ugh. It's never, and, and I will say, in our timeline right now, they just voted to not have witnesses at the trial. Uh, so that's going to happen. <laughs> well, it's going to not happen. And uh, now they're basically just going to go on with the vote, I think, to whether they're going to uh, remove them from office or not. And they're not going to do it, obviously. So then that'll be the end of the trial. And it's all done. What was the point of that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the stuff about the Mueller report we already went over. But I do think it's worth repeating because it kind of happened and went away. And everyone thinks that there was nothing there. But there actually was a lot there if you actually read the report. They also talk about the Senate trial, obviously. And Pollock is super excited to hear Alan Dershowitz give his defense. And Pollock is right, so... Pollock says that he's looking forward to Dershowitz making the argument that impeachment is only constitutional if there's an underlying crime. And Dershowitz did make that claim, and it's a really stupid claim when you uh, deconstruct what he says. He basically argues that the president can do whatever he wants because he's like, they can do whatever is in the public interest, and wanting to be elected is part of the public interest. I mean, don't you believe that the public wants you to be elected if you're the president? So therefore, it's in the public interest to do whatever you can to keep being elected. (laughs) It's fucking ridiculous. So it's worth reminding that Alan Dershowitz is a child rapist. So (laughs) and I have no qualms in saying that out loud. So basically, he was accused. That means you're really... Yeah, he was accused by uh, one of the Epstein's uh, sex trafficked women uh, that he basically raped her. And there's plenty of evidence that, for one, Alan Dershowitz worked with Epstein to get him off of the yeah. uh, the, the first case that he went under, the, the sweet plea deal that he somehow magically received. Dershowitz was a part of that. So, um, Fuck Dershowitz is basically what I'm saying. The guy is a creep. And it's weird that the president would choose him to go in front of the world to be his representative when he's a child rapist. Although uh, Trump himself was accused by one of uh, Epstein's women, too, of being a child rapist. So, yep. (laughs) A lot of people sort of like have pushed that to the side. But when you look at... The kind of because this woman came out before he got elected and she dropped the case after he got elected to president. Yeah. And a lot of people in the run up to the election were kind of dismissing it like this doesn't it seems bizarre and who is this person. But a lot of the things that she says match what a lot of the women that came out later claiming that Trump raped them or sexually assaulted them yeah claim that he did and it makes me go like it's part of a pattern and she's fitting that pattern plus she there is evidence that she was a girl who was trafficked by epstein and trump was friends with epstein all that yeah, yeah so i think there's more to that maybe that people should look into but somehow we've moved on from the fact that donald trump quite possibly is a child rapist well there's the 
a woman that just came out about oh the DNA test yeah Jean Carroll I think yeah. That's her name. yeah yeah I'm curious about that just because like what like did she I haven't followed that case so, at all like what did yeah, she do with the dress to know that they were saying that he like roughed around with her. But did she like seal the dress in like a Ziploc bag no. for like? So I wonder. And this was years ago, so yeah, they're yeah. probably gonna find nothing. I mean, it's still interesting to see whether or not her asking for the DNA sample, she's gonna get it or not. But no, uh, I just was watching something saying she's gonna give it. No, well, she's she's asking for it, but I don't think Donald Trump has been legally obligated to give her it yet. Like, that's what's being worked out right now in the courts. Oh, or do you think the courts have decided that, Trump, give us your I fluids. think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it seemed like when I was watching it on the news while I was waiting. Um, I was in the doctor's office this this evening, so yeah. they had TV playing, and then that's, that's what they're talking about. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Also, in the history of Pollock getting things terribly wrong, he says Bolton will make a, a terrible witness mm. for the Democrats. And this was before, like right before all the, the book excerpts started leaking, where it's clear that Bolton has something to say and it's not good for the president. Although, as we said earlier, they're not calling him anyways because they decided not to have witnesses. That's so, so ridiculous. Very ridiculous. There should That shouldn't be allowed. So Ezra then asks Pollock about the Democratic primaries. Is there a chance that Hillary Clinton will jump back in? I know that's absurd to ask, but I just want to ask it. Well, to the first part of your question, no, there is no Democrat who yet poses an alternative to Trump. There's no Democrat who really comes out as a leader, who comes across as someone who can rival Trump in their ability to achieve something, do something. There is one person emerging, and I have to say, I have to give him credit because he's emerging as the new front runner in at least one poll, in the CNN poll, despite the fact that he's stuck in the Senate with this impeachment thing. And that's Bernie Sanders. Is Polk saying he likes Bernie Sanders? Like, it's so, almost like he's implying that he's like a great candidate, but not wanting to say it. Ezra does respond by saying that he likes Bernie Sanders. Interesting. But... He goes, I don't agree with his politics, but he reminds me of Larry David. And oh I my like gosh, he does remind me of Larry David, but yes. <laughs> so that's why Ezra likes Bernie. That's because he reminds me of Larry David. The average donation is just... 27, 27 yeah, yeah, no, because you say it every time you're on TV. Okay, Everybody knows. Oh, shut up, Susan. You notice the ring, so Pollock was in his house this time. Bing. Bing. So on the 23rd, Ezra plays Trump's speech at Davos, and he literally plays the whole speech, and Ezra chimes in every once in a while being like, I agree. <laughs> at one point, Ezra says, I didn't even know that, which says to me that Ezra didn't fact check a single thing in this speech, and I don't see the point of my of me going through it either there's plenty of people that go through basically the whole speech at davos was to promote the economy in america and he just made up a bunch of numbers really ezra then introduced someone named frank buckley and he's new as well he is a professor at george mason university for the scalia school of law and antonia scalia is not a good person and i was pretty happy when he died 
he was one of the Supreme Court justices mm. and uh, was very, very far right on the court. Not a good person. Gross. Yep. Uh, and George Mason, I think, is known for being right wing anyways. So there you have it. They're talking about, uh, I guess, Frank Buckley wrote a book called American Secession, which is, you know, the idea that parts of America will like leave the Union. And the conversation was kind of like all theoretical and kind of interesting. Like they were just speculating. So they think like, like what, like certain states are. Or like what would happen country? if Califor- Cal- California, 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 like mm-hmm. left the Union or what would happen if Texas left the Union? Like these kind of ideas. And. And like what became their own countries. Yeah. And like how, how would that work out and stuff like that? It was actually kind of interesting. I don't know like how true any of it was, but it was like, it's kind of like neat hearing just two right wing people speculating about something like this. If Buckley is in fact right wing, I, I assume that he is given some of the things that he said. But at the end of the interview, uh, Ezra brings it back to Wexit and they speculate a bit on that too. But there wasn't really anything to, to sort of dig in there, but uh, thought worth mentioning. Frank Buckley. I mean, he's got credentials, so I'll give him that. Usually his guests are just like, I'm a random Islam bigot. No, exactly. I wrote wrote a book, right? Like (laughs) self-published author, right? I mean, this person got it published in like uh, an academic press. So gross. Yeah, I mean, America. I think it's it's less a polemic and more a look at certain dynamics, which like whatever. Anyways, so that was the twenty third. Really, nothing happened that was worth covering. So January twenty fourth, Ezra wants to talk about China and how it's handling the coronavirus outbreak. Oh, here we go. He begins by playing several clips of the HBO miniseries Chernobyl. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> he realizes it wasn't like a virus outbreak. It was... <laughs> like, is that what he was comparing it to? Like, It gets really weird. Like, did he think Chernobyl was a virus outbreak? Like, no. So I think he's trying to suggest... That China and how they've dealt with the coronavirus has been a failure of their state to act on an emergency. And I think he's using the Russian example in Chernobyl as an example of a Soviet communist state failing to deal with an emergency. And that's the kind of comparison he's trying to make. I don't think it's a very good comparison because, for one, I don't think that China is failing in any way yeah that uh russia did in that case uh i don't know much about the chernobyl case to say exactly also i know that like playing the hbo miniseries which is not a documentary (laughs) it's entertaining yes it's fun and as far as i'm like i know i heard that people said that they tried to be factually accurate but i I know just from the previews alone that some of the stuff in the preview about how radiation works is not really how radiation works. <laughs> like it was something like it landed on their boot and then they're like freaking out or something. And it's like, yeah, well, that's how you know it's do, TV, right? Yeah, so exactly. They're trying to... Yeah, they're trying to add drama where, where none might have existed yeah. at that moment. But I mean, not to say that Chernobyl wasn't a big thing. It clearly was, and it's very important to cover. And yes, there was some issues with radiation and stuff like that. Very important. But like all that, like 
why play the HBO miniseries when you're trying to actually make a point about the history of what happened here and compare it to what's going on in China right now? I'm pretty sure there's like Chernobyl documentaries. He could have played clips from there if he was really... Well, I think what he wanted to get as well is that there's a moment in the miniseries, I think the clips that he played were moments where the government was trying to cover stuff up. And so his claim was that the Chinese government is right now undergoing a cover-up of what happened with the coronavirus. So what... It was like V for Vendetta, where the government actually are. Oh, no, no. Oh, you're doing... <laughs> he doesn't mention V for Vendetta. I was waiting. I was anticipating where you were going with it. Wait, wait, wait. No. So, like V for Vendetta, the premise is they so long since they cr- they created a disease that didn't exist, and they took like people that were gay, imprisoned them, injected them with these disease because they were undesirable people in society. And then they made people buy all these pharmaceuticals to get vaccinated or the pharmaceutical companies made profit off of people getting vaccinated for this, this made up. So that's that's not quite the conspiracy way he goes, but it does get really conspiratorial. Okay. So So I was wondering if it was like that kind of that idea. You'll you'll see. The government's poisoning people. It's a secret setup. Like he, he plays this off in a, the tone of Ezra doing the segment is that kind of like, what's happening here? Like, this is a mystery. I'm just asking questions. I want to get to the bottom of this. What's going on? That's like kind of like how he's approaching this. So he starts with going, like, the Chinese government arrested eight people for spreading rumors. And this is true. Although, so basically a a few days after the outbreak happened, there was people spreading rumors that this was another SARS incident. And the Chinese government arrested eight people. And they have laws against spreading rumors in China. And we can quibble all day about how much we think that's good or not. Yeah. I think maybe China goes too far in some of these things. But at the same time, I'm someone who thinks that there might be something to holding people accountable for spreading false information. Like uh, people who like to spread the belief that vaccines cause autism and all this other shit. Yeah. Very pro-vaccine and don't like the idea that people are making people not take vaccines and then diseases are coming back. For example. So, like, maybe there's some better... I don't know what the system would look like, but maybe there's a better way of doing it. But that being said, these eight people were released by the government, so they're no longer being charged with anything. Were they covering it up, though? Was it all big cover-up? Like, this is just what he's doing. A cover-up for what, though? We'll get there. Oh, no. <laughs> but disease is a common anti-immigrant trope, so this is irresistible for Ezra, who has been fear-mongering about China for months, so... Uh, you know, the dirty Chinese are coming, basically. I mean, he doesn't say that, but that's kind of, uh, I think, what's at the the forefront of what he's talking about here. And I also want to say China probably hasn't acted perfectly. Who does in an emergency? Like, the U.S. didn't act perfectly during Hurricane Katrina, for example. Yeah. Or any of the hurricanes under Trump's watch. Yeah. Uh, But the spread of coronavirus hasn't actually been that bad. I mean, it's been covered like the world's ending. But China has actually been praised by the World Health Organization for how they've handled it so far. And there have been very few infections outside of China. And most of those affected outside of China traveled from Wuhan. There's only been uh, like a few mm. transmissions. And the transmission doesn't see like, seem like it has a very high rate. So, I mean, like it's, there is human-to-human transference, but it often is from like close contact rather than like uh, some other infectious diseases that, that spread more in the air, right? 
Over half the cases have been directly linked to a specific food market in Wuhan, which is where it's speculated that the virus originated from. However, Ezra then decides to step up the xenophobia. So before we get to the conspiracy theory, let's have a bit of xenophobia. There have been stories about how this coronavirus started, how it spread, including theories that it came from bizarre foods eaten in Wuhan, like bats. I'm sorry to show you something so gross. They eat bats there. Ugh. If you've ever been to China and go to a, a real market, though, you will... See, that will not be the strangest thing you see, I have to say. I will not show you absolutely stomach-turning images from Wuhan's markets of live creatures being eaten. It's too gross and too disturbing. I'm getting a gag reflex just thinking about what I saw. What great audio listening for this. Ooh, I'm not going to tell you about, ooh, there's gross, ooh, uh, ooh, audio. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of terrible shit since the coronavirus started being reported on. And yeah, like, there's even been Reddit, like... there's been like terrible posts of people showing Chinese people eating like living mice and like stuff like this to be like, Chinese are creepy. Look at the stuff they eat. Well, actually, um, I was again because I'm having vestibular issues, um, which just means issues with your inner ear. So I've been going to doctor's appointments and my dad came with me to one of the appointments and they asked me all these questions about like, do I travel out of the country? Am I experiencing any of these symptoms? Um, yeah. They took uh, like blood pressure and blood work just in case. Did you eat a koala? <laughs> a koala wouldn't be interesting. Well, no. <laughs> so there was a Reddit post where somebody uh, had had like one of the Wuhan market. That's the... Uh, Okay. Ground Zero, and it had a list of like animals that they served there, and one of them mistranslated it into koala. Okay. And then somebody responded to that. It's like koala having a bad twenty twenty because they're dying because the forest fires. Yeah. But the it was a miss. I think it was like really a wombat, but like in China, the our Chinese the spelling is similar. Okay. Yeah. Um. But my dad made a comment like very similar to that, and I was just like, okay, let's learn how disease actually happens and spreads. Yeah. And he and then I had someone in the office confirm with him, like, yeah, he's right, right? Like people it people are, are crazy about these things. They think like you have to eat it and stuff, but it could just be like warmer temperatures which release new bacteria which yeah. then get into like certain animals, right? And then you could have con came into contact with like a fruit that animal touched and then got sick, right? Like if people don't understand how these things well, actually there's happen. ways of like eliminate like uh my guess is there could be better precautions at this food market, possibly, given some of the stuff that, that have come out about this food market. And if you have a lot of animals in close contact, you get these kinds of things develop. But the thing is, you got to think of how long has this market been operating? And it's not like they release a new deadly virus every single season. Yeah, right? exactly. So it's like one of these things where it's a convergence of a lot of things. And like it could maybe have happened. they brought in one animal, something yeah. mutated. And there's yeah. like in the States, there's like flea markets and places like that, that those stuff easily could happen. The reason why I would say that that would happen probably there is it's warmer climates and that you're more, you're more likely to have uh, certain viruses emerge because of yeah. that. 
Uh, it's ridiculous. Like, even there's, like, instances where people are getting, like, bullied in schools. Like, kids will say, oh, they have the coronavirus if they're Chinese, right? Yeah. Um, or, like, neighbors, like, purposely, like, staying away from their Chinese neighbors. So, it's, yeah, it's not okay. And here's the thing. I mean, a lot of people have died in China. I think the death toll is up to 200 now. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. And in I mean, they're ground zero. They have a lot more cases. You know, we have a lot of deaths today in Canada from flu that yeah. like rival those numbers. So it's like, and yet people still don't get their flu vaccine. What the hell are you doing? Get your goddamn flu vaccine. <laughs> but it's it, very true. Uh, but like, yeah. So like, I don't, people like to get freaked out because this thing is new compared to like other ones, right? Uh, but here's the thing is, Ezra doesn't actually think it's the animals. And he's going to get into a conspiracy theory. But before we get into it, if he doesn't actually think it's the animals, he literally just brought that whole thing up to be a xenophobic piece of shit. No, <laughs> like, absolutely. No reason to discuss it, right? 100%. But this is what Ezra actually thinks. Is. Well, this is what Ezra wants to know whether it's true or not. Wuhan is where China has its biological warfare lab. There's a story um, from just a few months ago about a Chinese national who was fired from a Canadian biohazard lab after sending secrets to this Chinese lab. Look at this story here. A Canadian government scientist at the National Microbiology Lab in Winnipeg made at least five trips to China in 2017-18, including one to train scientists and technicians at China's newly certified Level 4 lab, which does research with the most deadly pathogens, according to travel documents obtained by CBC. Xingguo Chu, who was escorted out of the Winnipeg lab in July, made an RCMP investigation into what's being described by Public Health Agency of Canada as a possible Policy breach was invited to go to the Wuhan National Biosafety Lab. I love how they call it a biosafety lab. Of the Chinese Academy of Sciences twice a year for two years, for up to two weeks at a time. Yeah, that's buying. But then there's Justin Trudeau just plain old giving them biological materials. Look at this story. Biowarfare experts question <laughs> why Canada was sending lethal viruses to China. You don't say. Oh my God. I think the Chinese activities are highly suspicious, one expert said, after it was revealed a Winnipeg lab sent samples of Ebola and Henipa virus to China. Why did Justin Trudeau approve sending Ebola viruses to China's government? Trudeau caused the coronavirus. <laughs> trying to suggest yeah, no, there, isn't he? Like, he's trying to say that he sent them deadly viruses. It was a... <laughs> coronavirus was an inside job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so fucking stupid. Uh, there's absolutely no evidence that this lab in Wuhan is a bio-warfare lab, which is what Ezra wants to call it. The incident at the Winnipeg lab is actually kind of interesting and it's still unresolved, so... There's not much that I can say based on the very limited reporting on it, but several individuals were escorted out of the lab, but they have not been arrested. And it is speculated that the issue has to do with intellectual property rights. 
But even if that is the case, there is no evidence whether it was willful or accidental, right? They're just not telling us at all what's going on. The lab described what happened as a possible policy breach and as an administrative matter. And the RCMP and Health Canada have stressed that there is no danger to public safety for why these people uh, were walked out of the building. <laughs> so, I mean, it's weird and it's interesting. I like to know what is happening. But a lot of people that know a lot more than do speculates that it has more to do with intellectual property rights. So there's something about like getting the like patents on vaccines, certain vaccines and stuff like that, or certain technologies that we're using to develop vaccines and stuff that they're trying to take from us. Anyways, that seems to be more the issue than the idea that we're somehow giving them viruses for their biological warfare, that they're somehow going to create super viruses and destroy the world with. Of course. Uh. <laughs> yeah, no? Did you get the memo? Yeah. So, we, I mean, here's like where this all gets like really stupid. So the, the transfer of Ebola from the Winnipeg lab to Wuhan uh, occurred after the incident of the people being walked out and all this. So we still have this open relationship with China between these two labs, even though there is this concern about uh, intellectual property and some people speculate that maybe this is like some sort of sting by the RCMP uh, to like, I, I don't know, uh, just random speculation because no one knows what's going on here, right? Uh, however, the Ebola sample that has gone past all the guidelines met all the proper procedures. So there's, it's, there's nothing like fishy going on here. And this can't be too big of a conspiracy because like people know this is happening. Right, so it's like there's no no one's trying to cover anything up. It's yeah, like, yes, they know there's outbreaks. There's constant news reports. Yeah. That's all I've seen for the last week. So now, what we do know is that the scientists in Winnipeg and Wuhan both work on the immunizations for deadly viruses, and you can see why China would want to study deadly viruses because yeah. they have dense populations and dense populations are perfect breeding grounds for viruses so they want to develop Absolutely. vaccines for these yeah. diseases but of course doesn't stop Ezra and other conspiracy theories to worry about Chinese develop uh, biological weapons of some kind and the funny thing is like a lot of people point out that like a lot of people that sort of combat this kind of conspiracy theory stuff Say like why do why would a country need to develop biological weapons when nature seems to be doing it all on its own? <laughs> like what figures out like, uh, and it's not clear that you could develop one so sufficient that somehow it won't come back to bite your own country in the ass. Kind of you know what I mean? So it's like it's such it a hard thing. It would only affect a certain geo like geographic area. Yeah, like that. <laughs> it wouldn't spread. Right, so because people don't move around at all, right? So, no, exactly. Yeah. So this whole idea that somehow uh, this notion of bio biological warfare uh, to that extent, uh, like, does he understand what biological warfare is? Like the cases where know. biological warfare has been used, it's been like poisoning water. Yeah, I mean, but those are like a chemical. Yeah. Like yeah, but like there's been no evidence. I mean, there's stuff of like tiny like terrorists and stuff that do stuff like using. Uh, anthrax and stuff like this but sure. there's not or, or like botulism but there's not a lot of people that are developing microorganisms that's what I'm or saying. Like colds <laughs> and like something about it. yeah uh but a lot of conspiracy theorists really think that it's happening so yeah <laughs> uh, all the evidence again suggests that the coronavirus came from the market in wuhan because most viruses come from animals and living in close quarters with humans 
That's just typically where it happens. Hence why we have swine flu and bird mm-hmm. flu. Yeah. yeah. And there is no evidence that the two labs were working on a coronavirus at all. In fact, he listed Ebola and Heminovirus. I don't know what he was saying. But point is, there's no evidence that they're actually studying coronavirus at these labs either. So, Like before it even yeah. <laughs> Or that they were transferring coronavirus between the two countries. This is the first time, actually, that I've seen Ezra spreading, like, legit conspiracy shit. Mm. So a lot of this stuff, when I was looking into it, comes from Zero Hedge and Global Research, which are really terrible pseudoscience, junk science websites that, like, peddle in just 9-11's an inside job. Oh, yeah. Like, that kind of level of bullshit. And it's weird that he's doing, like, his, his... or like his desire to scare the shit out of his audience about China has just like sent them to the dredges of the internet to just dig up bullshit to like feed to them. But uh, there it is. The Like the other thing, and I, I sent out some tweets about this. In fact, I sent it out like right as he did it because as soon as coronavirus was being talked about, Ezra was sending out tweets about uh, why hasn't Trudeau stopped the planes leaving the country? And Ezra, again, is super mad about this in this episode. He's like, there's still flights coming and going from China. Now, the WHO, the World Health Organization, repeatedly has stated that this is unnecessary, given this how the virus is spreading. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to shut it down. So, like, imagine this. How do you control shutting this thing down? Say you go, say Canada goes, we're going to block all flights from China. Now, what if a Chinese person leaves China, goes to Indonesia, and then flies from Indonesia to Canada, and they have the virus? Did you stop the virus from coming? No. No. So what do you do? Do you stop all Chinese people from coming? But then how do you, like, what if someone is Is not Chinese from China? Like, there is no easy way to do that. You could do things where you shut down the planes, but then maybe that'll, like, prevent drug shipments from going or something and then more people die unnecessarily like no, you know what i mean just, like yeah there's so many things that could happen where it's like that's why uh government bodies that are in charge to deal with this stuff is saying there is no point right now to shut down flights if there was a point to do it we'd do it but there isn't a point to do it yet yeah but of course ezra's not an expert he's just like why are there planes leaving china oh my god we're all gonna die coronavirus don't cough on people kids Cover your mouth. You'll be fine. (laughs) Ezra then has Kian on for the interview segment. And they are discussing the project they did over Christmas. The project was that Kian went to Sweden to make a 30-minute documentary on Greta. Greta Thunberg. In the interview for this episode, Ezra remarks that Greta remembered who Kian was when he again stalked her for the documentary in Stockholm. Ezra thinks she remembers Kian, so she she recognizes Kian. Yeah. But Ezra speculates that the reason why is because all the other journos, they just didn't like challenge her. But you were the only one who asked her an accountability question, and that's why she remembers you. And I'm like, or she remembers you because you're the asshole who chased her Stopped down a hall <laughs> while her staff was like, "We're gonna call the cops." <laughs> I don't think that would leave leave a memory. So on the twenty seventh. 27th, 
At this point, Canada has now gotten its first case of coronavirus. Mm. Ezra kind of calls one of the sick a liar. (laughs) Because he's Ezra. (laughs) So she told health officials that she has primarily been at home since she got back from China. Yeah. And Ezra thinks she's lying. What? (laughs) Why? I, there's no there's no reason to think that she's lying. And the only thing that I can think of is that Ezra just thinks that Chinese people are liars. <laughs> so so there must be shady things going on. I don't even know if this person's Chinese, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Could just be anyone from China. But they said that they primarily have just stayed in their home since they got back. And Ezra's like, you're a liar. So there's that. Ezra's also still claiming that Trudeau is on holidays, and maybe he is. I didn't really look into it and don't really care. And part of it's like, what does he want Trudeau to do? Like, does Trudeau have a degree on infectious diseases that if he wasn't on vacation, be like, stop all flights, get her done? I don't think uh, Ezra really (laughs) understands how our political system works. It's not like when people are in a president or prime minister position, they call, they do everything. They run everything in the country. Yeah. Everything from like, you know, our health organizations, education systems, trade, everything. There probably would be aspects of like whoever's in charge of the Ministry of Health would maybe go to Trudeau and be like, look, we really need to shut down airplanes to to stop the spread of this thing. And then he would make some kind of executive decision, Exa- maybe. Yeah. But he, that all the work is not being done by no, him. No, but he thinks and, it and, is. And he can make that call while he's on vacation. Because all it takes the health minister to go, yo, we got a coronavirus. I need to shut down planes. And Trudeau's like, well, yeah, you're the health expert. Let's shut the planes down. Done. Like, yeah. <laughs> I did the hand motion for phones. But I can see, like, you know, <laughs> if you've watched movies with virus outbreaks, especially zombie movies, you have, like... The presidents with the scientists working yeah. on the cure, right? Like that's what he's probably thinking. Man, there's viruses that like no one's ever and thought go, of before. Mr. President, right? Like they come in, <laughs> we think we found a cure. Like, and then, yeah, yeah. Ezra again mentions Trudeau's goddamn fucking beard because why not? And again says he's phoning it in. And Ezra's also freaking out about how the media isn't talking about the virus. What? Who the fuck is he talking about? It's <laughs> like, that's all my media consumption has been is virus, 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 virus. I know. Virus. Everywhere. All my friends yeah. on Facebook, Twitter, then, all the news. Then Ezra starts looking at photos of Wuhan, where the government is working to contain the spread. And Ezra starts speculating that these are all photoshopped. <laughs> Or their fake government propaganda. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> oh, and then Ezra starts goes like, why aren't we checking every passenger that comes off of every plane, their temperature? <laughs> and he's like, you could do it. We have that technology. And I'm like, what if... Ezra's gonna feel what? slightly warm and he's gonna be like, I've got it. No, could you imagine that? Like, we just quarantine everyone who comes into this country with a fever? <laughs> like, just, you're over here for now. Well, if you have a fever, you're supposed to go report it and stuff, but like. We don't have the infrastructure if you, if you to traveled, do that, though. If you traveled, yeah, you're supposed to, but like. But my guess is they will send you home where there's like 
procedures. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you could have just, you know, you could just not be feeling well. Like, you could just have a common cold and have a fever, right? So... And as of, like, right now, I think there's only three confirmed cases in Canada. So four in total in Okay, Canada. four. Yeah, three well, are in... Is one not confirmed yet, or it's, like... No, the three are in Ontario, and the other one, I think... Vancouver. Re- yeah. Well, at the, when I was doing the research, the one in Vancouver was not yet confirmed, so maybe they've confirmed it now. Uh, but it, it doesn't matter. Four cases. Four, oh, my God, four cases. Then uh, Ezra begins the interview segment by talking about censorship. And what censorship do you think Ezra thinks is the worst? What what? Like, I don't know. What kind? Who are the worst at censoring? I guess I'll put it that way. Yeah, I was like, what what do you mean by what kind? Uh, I don't know. Facebook? No. Twitter. I've said to you before, I've faced censorship from a number of camps, uh, not the least of which is political censorship. Of course, uh, I faced Islamic censorship when uh, I published the Danish cartoons of Mohammed, but there is no censorship that is faster or more furious than transgender. What? <laughs> oh, like the transgender Transgender censorship is the worst and it's the fastest. Oh, okay. You weren't saying like what platform you meant like, yeah, be clear on your questions, guy. <laughs> well, I mean, he mixed it up himself saying there's political censorship. Anyways. Ezra thinks that the trans are the worst at the censorship. And Ezra has on as his guest, Barbara Kay, of course. You're going to be bigoted towards trans people. That's who he's going to have on. And she actually thinks that the trans censors are losing. So she's a bit optimistic in this episode. And the reason why she's optimistic is because there is this person named Kenneth Zucker. And... We will get into a bit of his detail in a second, but he spoke at McGill University with little to no fanfare. And this is evidence that actually somehow the trans activists are dying down or losing or something like that. I think that's how she's trying to frame it. Although Ezra's playing the role of, I'm still a bit skeptical. I still think they're really bad. So Zucker used to work for CAMH Toronto, which is the Center for Addiction and mental health in Toronto. And he was fired in 2015. But before we get into it, I want to play Barbara's description of Zucker's practice and the nature of his firing. And then from that, we'll tease apart what is accurate and what is not. But the activists uh, were not happy with his clinical approach to treating gender dysphoria because uh, he had a very holistic approach. Uh, If parents brought a child uh, that was confused about gender to his clinic uh, as his patient, he didn't just say, oh, this child, you know, this little girl thinks she's a boy. Uh, Okay, let's uh, let's talk about puberty blockers. He he said, well, tell me about this child. What's her behavior like in general? Is she depressed? Is she anxious? Have there been family issues? Uh, Like, in other words, he was treating, he he does treat his patients uh, as a psychotherapist. Um, activists nowadays in the last several years have decided that uh, gender dysphoria is not a disorder, it's a, it's a normal condition, um, and psychotherapists should really not be doing offering uh, treatment of that kind to children. They don't need therapy, they need affirmation. Hmm. So uh, on the affirmation model, Dr. Zucker became suddenly very uh, incorrect in his approach, and uh, the activists were out to get him. 
They made false allegations about him that he was practicing something they call conversion therapy. Uh, he was doing nothing of the kind. He does endorse <clears throat> for those children who are persistent um, in their in their uh, dysphoria. He does uh, endorse puberty blockers and the rest of it. So uh, it was false allegations, and he therefore uh, did. He was sacked, but he did uh, sue CAMH and did receive a payout, but he was not reinstated, and now he's practicing privately uh, and continuing with his research. So that's Barbara's description of what is happening in this case. The first point that she makes sets up a weird comparison. So the implication is that Zucker, unlike other doctors, doesn't just immediately put a child on hormone replacement therapy. However, no doctor immediately puts a... I wouldn't say no doctor. You could probably find some terrible doctors on any spectrum, right? <laughs> but the point is, most doctors who are properly trained do not just immediately put a child on hormone replacement therapy. I mean, a lot is packed into immediate, right? Is it immediate if they do a diagnosis and then end up being like, maybe this will help? Is that immediate? Like, how long does that process have to take for yeah. it to be immediate or not, right? Like, none of that's spelled out. Part of what people in the trans community and the broader clinical community criticized Zucker for was his position that you must work to keep patients in accordance to how they were identified at birth until dysphoria continues further into adolescence. So you could tell what Barbara said in that clip was that Zucker can't be someone who uh, believes in a kind of conversion therapy because he did give people hormone replacement therapy. However, he only did it when it was like persistent and into adolescence. So the first thing that he would do if you're a trans woman, so someone who was uh, assigned at birth as a male and is now transitioning to a woman, what he would do is say, remove Barbies from the home to try to socialize the kid to make them want to be more like a man and therefore not want to transition to a woman, which there's no evidence that that works. Barbara also mentions that during therapy, Zucker wants to know about family issues. So one thing that Zucker has argued is that gender identity is often the result of maternal psychopathology. Uh, in other words, moms be crazy, which is a, a consist, consistent thing throughout history. So a lot of people blamed autism on the fact that moms are cold and distant. So there's a long history in psychiatry of blaming moms for how children turn out. And I mean, there is some truth to that, though. Not quite, actually. I mean, not in the way that they're saying. No, I'm we're, not we're saying. We're definitely, like, relate, like, our parents definitely have an influence on us. I was about to but say, I was like, there's literally, <laughs> like, attachment styles and attachment theory, which is like, been really... But it wouldn't have, like, this again. level of effect. Like, a lot of people uh, turn out that the way they are based on, like, peer groups and, like, other influences that have nothing to do, uh, to do with parenting. But the point of this is, like, psychiatry itself has had a long history of even in like the Freudian days of blaming psychopathologies on the mother. And it was just a way of like blaming the moms who should be raising good kids on yeah. a, a child with mental illness, yeah. right? Barbara then says that activists want affirmation and not therapy. However, affirmation is not a replacement for therapy, which no trans activist thinks should be gotten rid of. I've never heard a trans activist say, uh, never get therapy like when have you ever heard that, i have right? but yeah well 
maybe in a certain context. But when Barbara talks about affirmation, what she's saying is that the trans community thinks that it is morally okay for children not to identify as their assigned gender at birth. And Barbara thinks that that is not morally okay. Why? I mean, she doesn't give an answer here, but her answer would have to be that the right way for humans to be is to identify as the gender they were assigned at birth. But she doesn't explain like why that is the right way to be, right? Like why should the initial instinct of a medical practitioner be, I need to make you the way you were assigned at birth. That is like the role, then this is why you have a affirmation movement, which is to say, it's okay to not identify as the gender you are. Yeah. Just like it's okay to be gay. Yeah. And this is why it's labeled a conversion therapy, right? Because if you think that the right way for a person to be is straight, and you try to give someone a therapy to make them straight, you're saying that being gay is not the right way to be. Yeah. Similarly, if you have someone who's uh, suffering from some sort of gender, gender identity issue or disorder, however you want to frame it, the right way to go about that is make them feel comfortable with whatever it is that yeah. they feel comfortable with. Yeah, and there's like specialized with. LGBT counselors. They literally have like, like they go to school just to specialize in gender identity issues, like, or um, identity issues with sexuality. And they're really good. Like, they're not going to say things like, it's it's not okay to... Yeah. to be trans or like just get just suck it up you gotta yeah. be this way right like they they help people work through that transition period of coming to terms with like this is my sexuality or this is my gender identity or maybe they don't tell you what it is but they're going to help you work through those feelings or maybe confusions that you have around that and help you come to conclusions or if not coming to conclusions feel comfortable that you don't have a a answer to what's going on in your life, right? And in, in those kind of regards. This is why I was talking about no trans activists would deny therapy, right? I mean, I mean, I know people that do know, deny that kind of stuff. But they probably but deny it for other reasons. Yeah. That's more of their individual stubbornness than like But my point is like the therapy should be more about well-being. The therapy shouldn't be you're supposed to be what your identity was at birth. Yeah. Right? That's not that is bad therapy, and we're moving away from that. And if Dr. Zucker thinks that's the right way, then Dr. Zucker is fucking out of Honestly, his mind. Honestly, though, this is <laughs> a huge issue, though, is, like, people confuse psychiatry with all of psychology. Yeah. And all types of counseling, which is, it's just not. Psychiatry has had a history of very problematic views on various groups of people in society. And basically, they've taken this approach where this is the ideal, this is the norm, if you don't fit into it, we're going to medicate you. We're going to do these weird operations on you and procedures to make you fit into that. Right. And psychiatry is good for people that have um, specific mental disorders, such as like schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, in the sense that they have um, they have the medical background that they can prescribe medications and treatments that can help people work through that. But that's a totally different ballpark compared to, I have gender dysphoria. You don't need to go to a psychiatrist for gender dysphoria. Yeah. You need to go see a counselor that's specially trained in those issues that isn't going to like force you into a box of what um, normacy is. They're going to help you work through not what your gender identity is, but those feelings that surround 
um, right. you discovering your gender identity, such as like anxiety, confusion. Well, that's um, why I wanted to frame it as therapy in the very best sense of just improving well-being, whatever that happens to be. And it doesn't mean that you need to prescribe drugs or certain No, but I also want people, but... because I, I hear this a lot on the left, just in general, is like these negative sentiments towards therapy and like psychiatry or psychology in general just because you get you hear things like that and then they they blast it on to every single counselor but like i'll be honest i have a counselor i go see her well a therapist not a counselor i go see her maybe once a month every once every other month right and i think everyone should have a counselor or a therapist or a psychologist depending on the issues and needs that you have yeah and we literally just sit and talk about you know things that are going on in my life ways things make me feel how do i cope with that how do i deal with it maybe think about these things in a different way it's not like she's ever telling me i have to be this way one time i was even talking to her about how i got really angry at my department for not paying us the the appropriate funding amount <laughs> and how that actually caused conflict with me and um a little bit of conflict with a couple of the professors because I kind of yeah. was you know being like this isn't okay and she was like good for you you need to go do that don't like of course you're gonna be like talked about negatively people don't like it when you rock the boat and I just love that because it was like She's yeah, validating that kind of that positive experience. affirmation does that. Like, it, yeah, it, even yeah. though it's a very politicized experience, which she doesn't necessarily have to agree with, right? She just did because she knew that I got validation out of out of that, right? Because the good therapy, in my mind, should be about well-being. The last thing that she goes into is the idea that he sued the CA or CAMH. But the reason was because in part of the reporting that was used uh, to cite the reasons why they let him go, included an accusation by a patient of misconduct, like direct misconduct. And that patient later retracted it, saying that they made a false accusation. Mm. And because Cam had posted this on the wall, Zucker, or on their website, uh, for the reasons for why they let him go, Zucker ended up suing. And rather going down the route of fighting this lawsuit, which Zucker could possibly win, they settled with him. Right. But they still stand by their firing him for all the other reasons that we just went through. Why you would want to fire this person. And the settlement was not some kind of vindication that Zucker's restorative therapy or conversion therapy, whatever you want to call it, is morally neutral and just science. Right. It's bullshit. It's not good. And I'm glad he is gone. I mean, I hope people aren't going to his private practice and being taught bullshit. But there you have it. Ezra then says that all the trans activists, all they want to do is convert people to being trans. (laughs) And (laughs) Barbara follows up with this bullshit claim that uh, some children go through phases. No doctor is perfect, as I said before, but... (laughs) Well, for example, there are doctors, doctors in the world, which is evidence that no doctor is perfect. That being said, these anti-trans bigots want to believe that psychiatrists are too fucking brain dead to tell the difference between a child having mere socially discordant behaviors, such as a boy playing with Barbies, and another child who is actually suffering from gender dysphoria because they actually are trans, right? There's ways of telling those things apart. Yeah. But of course, that doesn't filter into any of those things. And I don't think there's anything wrong with what I just called socially discordant behaviors. 
I'm just saying like what they constantly go on and on about is the idea of like, it's just, it's this idea that they think that a parent is going to bring their child to the therapist and be like, Oh, Jimmy's playing with Barbies. And then immediately the doctor is going to be like hormones. Yeah. And it's like, that's not how this is happening. Ezra then brings up a UK turf or fart as I call them. Turf is a trans-exclusionary radical feminist, and fart is what I call feminist-appropriating radical transphobe. And this person's named Selena Todd, and she's complaining about trans women who are entering women-only spaces, and she retweeted some really super transphobic tweets from a Twitter account that's called Gay Eugenics, the idea being that trans people are somehow erasing gay people, I guess. I don't know. And she's now doing the fart grift with other farts like Megan Murphy and Julie Bindle. However, what is happening to these farts is not mere criticism and deplatforming, but no, it is much, much, much worse. Where Professor Selena Todd, who is a feminist, she is a, you know, 10 years ago, she would have been the leading edge of political progressivism. But because she is a feminist, she's a woman first, I suppose you could say, she has been targeted by transgender extremists. Um, they call, they use that made up word against her, a turf, that she's a trans exclusionary radical feminist. It's gone more than just arguing with her or trying to deplatform her. It's to the point where physical threats mean that she must now have a male bodyguard at her lectures. So this is in the highest institution in the UK. And she is someone who mere moments ago was the most progressive person around. Now she's been threatened by these trans thugs to the point where she needs bodyguards. That's not just cancel culture. That, it's almost like she's Salman Rushdie. Yeah, it's a fiat culture. It's a fatwa you know, gender fatwa culture. We got a gender jihad going on. <laughs> you know, soon they're going to be enacting Sharia gender and uh, we're all going to be trans. And, oh my uh, gosh. It's just such a sad outlook, Kayla. <laughs> yeah, Ezra then brings up a tweet by Joe Biden supporting trans rights and uses this as a sign of how out of step with the rest of the culture the Democrats are on this. They then both go on again about fear about letting trans people into bathrooms because all trans people are predators, didn't you know? Mm. And that's, uh, that's how they end it. So be warned, trans or, or TERFs? TERFs. Yes, the gender fatwa is still on. And... Uh, <laughs> We, we will ban you from college campuses. Watch out. <laughs> Watch out. We're coming for you. Gender jihad. My God. Such fucking immature assholes that have national platforms. Barbara Kay is a National Post writer. I know. She should not have that job. I wish I could get it trending. Fire Barbara Kay. Fire her directly into the sun.
good news. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of sad news, but it's more proactive, I guess. Uh, I ended up going to a rally in Art City with protesters who stand for the rights of the Palestinians and are protesting against the bullshit peace agreement, peace in quotes, with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and Donald Trump just pushed through. And of course, they even admitted, Kushner admitted, who was part of it as well, yeah. Trump's son-in-law, that they didn't at all uh, bring the Palestinians to the table. So they basically just made the agreement without the Palestinians. How do you have a peace agreement when you don't bring the other side to the table? So my guess is that even people who are more on the Israeli side of this argument should look at this and go, this is fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not going to do anything. Uh, but we held a rally, and uh, what we're going to do is I'm just going to move into I, I took a bunch of clips from some of the speeches, so there was a lot of uh, activists around the town who were engaged in the movement, the main one being David Heap. I was going to interview him, but I had to run, but we'll just I'll make some sort of clip thing. I don't know how it turned out. Maybe the audio quality will be poor. I'm sorry if that's the case, but uh, I would play that now. And uh, free, free Palestine. Unfortunately to you, Trump, and your little seats, your propaganda game is not going to work on me and on all of us. How can you get someone to come to the same age as you? Who are you? To sell my land. To sell a land a thousand years old. You can't give a land you don't own to someone who doesn't deserve it. You don't even own Palestine to give it away to Israel. I am so confused. Who do you think you are? Two criminals deciding the fortune of my country. We're here today because, again, uh, across the border, uh, number 45 has been making absurd claims about the deal of the century, uh, peace in his name, etc. We know that all of this is crazy rhetoric that won't be accepted by Palestinians who, you know better than I do, are some of the most resilient, amazing human beings on the planet and who know that they're not going to stand for anything less than justice. And so we're here as allies and we want you to know that we will continue to sail. We're going to sail in 2020. We have a flotilla plan that will be leaving uh, near or on the anniversary of the fateful day that the Mavi was uh, brutally attacked by Israeli uh, soldiers on, the, on international waters. We'll be sailing this year in the name of women and children and youth who are struggling to survive in uh, Gaza in particular, where the UN has declared that it is inhabitable. And I know that I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know, but I want you to know that you can continue to uh, know that there are people around the world working support Palestinians in the diaspora uh, who deserve the right of return, who uh, may be missing loved ones, who may never have seen uh, the, uh, the homeland from which they're from. So we continue to support you. We hope that you'll support our efforts through the Canada Boat to Gaza and the Freedom Flotilla Coalition. We will be sailing in May. We will be looking for your support and, uh, and we'll be connecting with people in Gaza to uh, hear their stories and their suffering and how they're resisting and we hope to bring those stories to them and yours to them so that we can continue to fight in this struggle together 
so that we're not divided among these uh, random lines that other politicians are trying to decide for us. We know that Palestine will be free, and we will fight until it's free. I think it's very important that we recognize that the people who claim to speak in the name of Jewish people do not speak in the name of Jews of conscience, like the ones who are here with us this evening. This is important because of what's happening in Palestine, or happening to Palestine, but it's also important in this country because governments, elite parties, are trying to impose a gag order on people who speak up for Palestine. There's something called the IHRA, the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, working definition of anti-Semitism, which wants to smear all of you and all of us with the ugly label of anti-Semitic because we speak up for Palestinian human rights. This is being pushed at the level, as I said, of federal parties. It's also being pushed on municipalities. And it's thanks to independent Jewish voices that we push back and stop the IHRA definition from being adopted in Vancouver. We stopped it from being adopted in Calgary. And just this week, we stopped it from being adopted in Montreal. But we know that the parties that are pushing this will keep pushing it. Unfortunately, it was passed by the city of Vaughan conservative area, the first place that adopted this, but three major cities have said no, and when it comes here, we need to say no to the IHRA, no to the gag order on Palestinian human rights. I won't repeat what our sisters have said about this uh, steal of the century, because we all know that without justice, there can be no peace. Caitlin, I think, was waiting waiting for me to do that. <laughs> Please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at imperial news with a Z. We have an Instagram account, which Caitlin use, what, uses while we are <laughs> recording the podcast to do weird pictures of me that I will find out about once I'm done uh, <laughs> recording the podcast. We also have a private Facebook group called Imperial News. And we have a Discord set up. You can find the link on our Twitter. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. And please, if you have a local good news or thing to get involved with, uh, send us a message and we will promote it. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striatum.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. And trans rights are human rights. Stop fucking around. And fire barbecue. Albumia, Albumia, how lovely are your wheat fields?